Where did God come from? This higher being and creator of all things living. That is a question for the ages that has yet to be known. However, how well have we been acquainted with this divine supreme being? In this era, many identify God as many things and by many names. Even so, as your name stands true to your identity, so is the name of the Almighty One True God. In this episode, I am joined by a dear friend, Jadiel Newman, a friend I call brother to the truest form. We dive into identifying the nature of God. Does God have a name? Does God have a gender? Are we gods living here on earth? These are a few out of many questions. So stay locked in as you also get to hear the events that led Jadiel to his discovery on who God is. You know there's got to be story time. This Around the Way girl wants to chat with you. She's discovering new information in this world that surrounds her, tapping into her inner power, her sexuality, and taking ownership of her insecurities. She discovered she had to unlearn some things. Come and enjoy her moments of reflection, re-education, redefinition, and evolution. Kick back, sip some wine, take a drive, whatever your vibe. Join me, your host, Shay Sana, with She Discovered Podcast. So stay tuned. You might learn some things. Listeners, I am so excited about this episode that I'm going to have today. And if you've listened to past episodes, especially in discussion of spiritual shifts in season one, or even chatting with my ex, the first episode, you would have heard me mention about my brother, uh, Jadiel Newman. He is definitely a part of my spiritual journey back in, let's see, maybe 2009, when I converted into Adventism. And although uh, neither of us identify as Seventh-day Adventists, but we definitely have had a growing and discovering journey with the Most High, with God. So today we are going to be discussing in the most simplest form, who is God? You know, we're living in a time and I don't think there's anything new under the sun, but we're living in a time where many of us have questions. Many of us desire to understand the nature of God. Is God a title? Is that his name? Is he really a he? (laughs) You know, there's so many things we're going to get into. And although I have a foundation, uh, a foundation, knowledge of some of the things that we are going to be discussing today. But in this episode, I am the student and my brother Jadiel will definitely just be, you know, hitting us up with some knowledge and even his experience through understanding and growing with the most high. So I'm just very excited for him. So thank you, bro, for joining me. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be here, happy to express or, or share some of the thoughts that I may have. That's, that's kind of what I'm about sharing. So I think that, uh, you know, to be a teacher is a good thing, but the student is what makes you a good teacher. If you cease to be a student, then you cease to be a teacher. I learned from just sharing my experience and, and hearing other people's as well. So praise, praise, yeah, praise the most high for this. Of course. Just a little bit briefly, can you let listeners know about your story? And I know your story, right? And you don't have to go too in depth to help you understand what I mean. I would say or compartmentalize it 
how did you come to this place of being a teacher? How did you come to this place of desiring to know God and know his word? And, and what brought you to this point of even being a believer? Oh, man, I don't know how to <laughs> compartmentalize. I was talking to my wife and she was like, she's like, oh, you're going to give your testimony. I was like, man, it's too long. I, that's why I don't, I don't tell nobody unless we're at, we're sitting together having a conversation, but uh, I'll try. Um, I didn't grow up in any church or anything like that. Um, my father was an atheist. My mother was kind of like spiritualistic. She does uh, Santeria. She's from Dominican Republic, so she does uh, that voodoo, that Santeria voodoo stuff, uh, but on a, some other type of level. Like she combining Native American, African catholic mysticism all of that stuff would you call her uh because there's many names for that and i'm not and forgive me i'm not knowledgeable in that but i'm i'm starting to hear things is would she consider herself a witch or a priestess a witch a witch okay all right she says it all the time oh okay she thinks that good witch she says that's kind of along the lines of what i saw as spiritualism you know i wasn't really into any type of church or any type of thing. But I, I believe that every, I looked at everything like it was spiritual, including the Bible. Cause like I said, she had a Catholic background. So of course you see the statue of St. Mary or St. Jude. And then you see the Bible with the, she will have the Bible with the offerings to the spirits and the Bible will be open to a certain page. And, you know, she still does that now. So I always looked at the Bible. Like it was like a one, just one of the spiritual things that, that exists. When I started, I, I had a friend, you know, we got we got real close and, you know, we just hang out in the street in Brooklyn at the time. I think I was like 11 years old. And then he just he didn't come out on Saturdays. And I was just like, why are you not coming out on Saturdays? And because we got so close, it's kind of like I just was like, all right, I'll, I'll hang out with you on Saturdays and come to find out he was actually observing the, the Sabbath for the Shabbat. Mm. Um According to the fourth commandment. So I wasn't really into it still. I was literally just there hanging out with him. And he was just there because his parents made him. So it wasn't <laughs> like we were getting into like some type of spiritual uplifting, you know, at 11. Nah, that right. didn't happen. But that's when I started to kind of get get a sense of what certain things were as far as, you know, and I already looked at certain things as spiritual. So I was like, okay, yeah, you could do you spiritually. You know, I could, everybody does different things spiritually. But it wasn't until years later, I think I was like about 17. I was in the, in the street. So I was a blood at that time, still hanging out with him. Like he would have to go to church. He was still 16, 17. So he would still have to go to church on Saturday. So I would go hang out. And then when I would be around there, mm-hmm. then I would just go check him at, at his church, which he would just be there just chilling. Again, we wasn't doing no spiritual uplifting. We was going right. out after service was done. I'd be like, yo, let's go we'd go <laughs> hang out, do whatever we want to do. It was never spiritual until like 18 when, you know, I started listening to certain things and, and his father was very pivotal in my understanding. He started to explain certain things to me. I was very intuitive. I was a manipulator, right? So I would use my words to kind of simpler, make things seem simpler, simple. So that way it can play out for my benefit. For your benefit. Hmm. Right. You know, I feel like, yeah, I feel like the father most I always 
put that in me to to express things in a way where it's convincing. Of course, I used it however way I wanted at the time. That's how I spoke. And then when I met my friend, you know, he kind of his father was kind of giving me certain knowledge. He was giving me wisdom on on integrity and, and things like that. You know, my father, my father always worked. I didn't really see him much when he came home. My father's a Jamaican man. So when he came home, it wasn't really like we we uh trying to get to know each other. No bonding. <laughs> No bonding. Is the kitchen clean? Is the floor clean? That's that's it. Yeah. He studied philosophy, so he always tells me to to express my mind, or and I basically utilize that to just manipulate him, manipulate other people, make things seem like it would that it made sense when it did not, and I knew. And then when I when I got into the church, not necessarily the church, but when I started going to church with my friend, uh, as I got older, I started listening more. And as I started listening more, uh, his father started telling me about integrity and, and, and morals. And, and I admired him. I respected him honored him like he was my father. He was he was their father. He treated me like his son. Uh, his name was Mr. Monk. So from that point that everything, you began to realize, okay, your manipulative ways and you began to get spiritual, what would you say would be the turning point where you realized, okay, you know what? I want to live my life for God. This wasn't the turning point, but this kind of pushed me in that direction. Shootouts, basically. <laughs> 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 so, you know, like I said, I was in the gang and we were doing gang stuff. A couple of my friends died right in front of me. The police started watching where we would hang out. And then another friend, he stole a bike. He got, they sent him to jail for 10 years. And I noticed people that I knew was going to jail for like years and that they were watching us. We even catch them on the roof watching us. And I, I remember I was standing in Manhattan and I was just like, you know, God, is either I be a doctor or I die in the street and I'm not going to be a doctor. So you got to answer some questions. Mm. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what there is. Everybody is all so-called spiritual. Like I said, everything to me was like, okay, they could do the spiritual, 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 but then everything looked the same in the street. You know, even if they had different religions, they all acted and talked and thought the same way. And I asked the question, like, you, I don't understand. You have to show me. And I remember I was on the F train on J Street, Borough Hall. I was waiting for the F train. It, I don't know what it was, but the way that I feel like the most High speaks to me is like he gives me an impression, not necessarily like a whole conversation where it's back and forth, but it's like, and it felt like a conversation because it's like he, it's like he's answering my questions that's in my mind and in my heart at the same time. Right. So it sounds like a com- I could express it like a conversation, but it wasn't. It was like he's answering all these things to make me have no other reason but to believe. When I got that impression and I understood and I was just like, all right, I'm yours. Like, OK, I understand. I want this. I want you. I don't want to be a doctor and I don't want to die in the street. I want to be with you. And I start, I took off my bandanas. I was tossing my my knives and train tracks and whatever other stuff I had in my pockets. I just started to pursue it by knowledge, by reading. You know, I wasn't into the the church culture. I was into knowledge because that's how I came into, you know, and then on top of that, Mr. Monk is old school. So he didn't, I didn't come into stuff where people my age doing it. I'm, I'm into the old school stuff that he was doing, that Mr. Monk was doing. So I never really 
got caught up with the culture of church. I looked at the scriptures. That's all I did. I didn't sing no songs. I didn't do nothing. All I did was read and study, and I wanted to understand everything. And every time I understood, I was able to understand something in the world. And then I noticed that my explanation of what I understood came out of me the same way that my manipulative expressions came out. The way that I would explain things with, with simplify to make it deceptive is the way that it came out when I was expressing what I thought to my friends, when I was expressing what I thought to my family. And, and it came out so simple and it was irrefutable, just like how my lies were irrefutable. Okay. So to make things clear, right? It's not that you're saying that now that you're learning the scriptures, you're reading the Bible for knowledge. It's not that now you're using this knowledge to manipulate people into believing the word of God and stuff like that. Because when I hear you say that, you know what I'm thinking about? I'm thinking about Mm -hmm. Paul. I'm thinking about the zeal that he had when he was persecuting the Christians, right? The zeal that he felt, the passion that he felt in the work that he was doing. However, Mm -hmm. when he was converted, right? And the Messiah got his attention, Mm -hmm. that same zeal, that same passion he had was used for good. So you're basically saying that this gift that you have of communication, of learning and teaching, when you were not in alignment with God, you used it to control and manipulate. But now God had that talent that was, you know, in you to do his work or to teach people of his, you know, his word. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I get this, I get this understanding from John 16, John 16, it says that the spirit will convict the world will convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. The spirit is its not just uh, people who believe, it's the spirit is going to the world to bring whatever they're doing to light. But there's this thing, I also believe that there was something that Yah put in each person mm. that would respond to the spirit when he would send it out to the world to call them back. I always had this desire, even when I didn't have understanding, I'd had the same, I had the same desire. I started going to school to try to go be a teacher. And then I was just like, I don't want to teach no math. I don't want to teach no English. I don't want to teach no kids. So I said, I'm going to try to be a professor. Then I was just like, I don't want to teach this stuff. <laughs> you know? And then I was just like, then I, then I said, let me go to seminary. As I was studying the scriptures, my understanding didn't line up with uh, what they were teaching at seminary. When you met me, what I would do was I went to these seminary schools and I took the curriculum and I wrote down the curriculum and the topics and the direction that they were going historically and uh, all of these things. And then I made my own curriculum and then I just studied it as if I was going to school, but by myself and not by myself. Obviously, you saw I was always around community. Yeah, Yeah, I was was around community. what I understood, I was always sharing. I was always sharing what I what I had, even if it was new, and even if it was corrected, you know, by my brothers and sisters that would come and and they would ask me a question, and that question would sometimes correct me. And but it would it didn't matter. I believe that I was gaining by my correction. So the more I was corrected, the more excited ah, I got. Ah, 
That's beautiful. That's humble because many times, and let's be honest, in human nature, we don't like to get corrected. We don't like to get humbled. You know, our pride or our ego gets in the way. But the fact that you're saying that you appreciated the correction because it allowed you to gain the truth, right? It allowed you to gain more insight. With with all of that said, and you know, um, from that time, you and I have been close, um, become family, and I've witnessed and you've witnessed mine as well, our journey. So yes, there was a time that you were in the church setting or we both were in the church setting. And there was a time that let's just say there was a coming out of it. But when we say church setting, of course, I've said it said it numerous times in other episodes that when we say church, we're not talking about the body of believers, right? The body of Christ. We're talking about within the four walls of the building or the organized structure of a certain denomination, that's what we mean by um, coming out, right? Not losing our faith um, and not saying that we are now no longer believers of, of God and um, his son. You know, you went through different transitions, but you always uh, held on strong, right? Even with your family, even with your wife, she she had to go through the journey with you as a married couple, but even her own journey as an individual. And now you have beautiful children. So now you're doing it as a family. So before we get into the teacher-student moment, right? And you're going to answer these questions. What would you say would qualify you to answer these questions instead of saying, oh, this is just a person's opinion? The interesting thing is that I wouldn't, (laughs) I wouldn't defend the qualifications that I have because the qualifications that I have is not necessarily something that I developed myself. It's something that not only I received from the Mosai, but others have qualified me as well. So This is how spiritual gifts work. Because our spiritual gifts is not for ourselves, it's for other people. Other people have to actually recognize that gift or that qualification. And when I was fighting against it, it was constantly confirmed over and over and over by different people that I would uh, communicate with. And so I would never try to defend myself against any person to convince them that I am qualified. Matter of fact, I would say, check up on me because if it's not lining up with the scripture, then I'm not qualified. You know, so I never will enter into a situation where I'm trying to express to somebody why I know the truth. I don't need to do that. If it makes sense to you, then you're going to be held accountable because it made sense to you and you told me that it didn't. So I don't have to worry about what's inside of your mind. It says that the spirit will convict the world of sin, not me. So if I'm doing the work and like Paul, you mentioned Paul, right? Yeah. Nobody knew Paul was listening to Stephen. Paul said, let's stone this man. But then later on, he preached the message using the same words that Stephen said in Acts 17. Stephen said, God doesn't dwell in buildings made with man's hands. And then in Acts 17, that was his major lesson. God doesn't dwell in buildings made with man's hands. You know, so you can see that Paul, even though he stoned Stephen, he listened to him. So when God came to him and and Yah's son came to him, he says, why are you trying to kick against the pricks? Why are you trying to go against what you know you're convicted of? Why are you going against what convinced you? And then he stopped going against what was already convincing. I noticed Stephen died not having a clue that Paul was listening. So I don't have to worry about what people think I know or what people, all I need to know is if this is the truth and you rejected it, it's going to be on your hands. 
and it's not going to be on mine. This is what gives me the confidence to share to anybody. Because when I see somebody with a master's or, you know, a master's in divinity, (laughs) whatever that means, you're just a regular man that was taught by another man. And it's not bad to be taught by another man, but I got to now check if that man was correct when I'm talking to you. I'm not going to look at the paper and say, okay, I should follow you. And I don't expect anybody to do the same with me. Whatever I do to people is what I expect done to me. So uh, when I share Mm-hmm. It's for you to go and check, because if you don't go and check, then you're going to be deceived by someone else with a master's in divinity. And it's true. Like you said, it's it's not a problem that we are to learn from one another. Right. Because that's what mm-hmm. we're here for. But right. at the end of the day, like the verse says, study to show thyself approved. Exactly. So it's like you can't just go based on what a person says. It can be of guidance. Right. right? But at the end of the day, it is truly up to you to fact check. Right. It is really up to you because, like you said, we're living in a world, especially now with the Internet, that there is an abundance of information that is coming at us. Right. And sometimes it could be very confusing or even overwhelming where you're just like, what's truth? What's not? How do I take this? Do I take this with a grain of salt? Do I just throw this you know, all away? But at the end of the day, um, there is truth to be found. Exactly. There is. Exactly. And it. Sometimes it may take a little extra work, <laughs> you know, to do so, but it is there and it is accessible <laughs> and it is accessible. So let's, let's tap into it. So is God a name or a title? Because mm-hmm. many times we always say, um, yeah, I was talking to God and, you know, God did this for me. And even within the Christian realm or even spiritual realm, we really just say God to reference a higher being. Is God his name or is it just his title? Because at the end of the day, how do we identify the true living God? Because everyone else has a God, if I'm making sense. Right, right. Yeah. And that's why I like the term God doesn't really define if somebody is a believer, you know, because like you said, there's many gods and many people that use the term God. Even there's there's even atheists or or agnostics that use the term God uh, to refer to energy or to refer to the universe or nothing. Mm -hmm. They use the term God because of the characteristic that they're giving to whatever they're talking about. You know, so the term God is a descriptive, every name or title in scripture is a, is a descriptive to describe the characteristics, characteristics of the person or the description of the type of entity you're referring to. Because he's a creator, they call him God, which is also referred to as the mighty one. And because they look at the universe, like they, it created everything, they call the universe God because it created. So they're looking at what's creating and then using the the title God, which is correct. Mm-hmm. God is a mighty one. It's it, it's, it denotes what the capabilities of who you're talking to has, you know? So if you say in scripture, you usually see the term Lord, your God, Lord, your God, the word Lord is usually a mistranslation. It, when it's in all caps, it's not supposed to be there. They, what they did was they covered his actual name with Lord because they supposedly thought they were being respectful. But oh, the, like a type of reverence. 
Yeah, like a type of reverence, I believe is disrespectful. <laughs> That's what I believe it is. And you would say, would you say disrespectful? Because even when I look at the scriptures, names had such importance. Absolutely. When they were naming their children, you can see the the depth of names in the Bible. So would you say it is disrespectful because, and you know what's funny? Even within African cultures, Mm-hmm. Middle Eastern cultures, they take names very seriously, right? Yeah, because names identify your tribe, names mm-hmm. identify your family. And so would you call it disrespectful that change within the scriptures that we hold today, the English translation, because when you take away the actual name of our creator, it's like we're now losing some type of connection or relation that we're able to have with him. Absolutely. Everybody is very superficial with when it comes to having a relationship with the most high. What's the first, when you have a relationship with a person, what's the first thing you say? What's your name? What's your name? It doesn't make any sense that now all of a sudden we could refer to him as two titles, Lord, your God. The word, here's the disrespectful aspect. We talk about if he says certain things twice, what they say, three times, then whoa, you better listen to him, right? Mm -hmm. His name is in there 7,000 times and it's covered up 7,000 times. You, you see, this is why I say it's disrespectful because he has a name and there was every other God that other nations worshiped had names. And so he had a name and his name was distinct from every other God. You had Molech, you had Kamesh, you had Ashtoreth, which is also translated as Easter. You had all these different God's names and then our God has a name and nobody knows it. And nobody knows it. Mm. Thank you for coming this far into the episode. I wanted to share the exciting news of She Discovered Podcast expanding to YouTube. We will still be streaming audio episodes via Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and SoundCloud. In addition, extra episodes will air via YouTube from time to time. So please be sure to follow and subscribe. Updates and teasers can be found on Instagram at She Discovered Podcast. Enjoy the rest of the episode. All right. So understanding that the God is more of a title, it's more of like a reference to a character, right? Like you have in the simplest form, you have police officer. That's his title. That's his job. That's his description. But the police officer has a name. So let's say police officer Johnson, right? We we get to know which specific police officer you're talking about. And I love that you said that not only today, but in ancient times, biblical times, there were other gods that people worship, but how were we to know which God you worship? So it had to be by name. It couldn't just be just God because you could be talking about anything. That's a good point. That's a good point. So let's go further. So what would you say is the name of God? Because again, like you said, today we reference to God as many things because we're searching to make him personal right? Mm-hmm. We we want that relationship. So we have, you know, most high that we've been saying today. Uh, you have Yahweh or Yah, you have Jehovah. You have some people that do wish to say universe. Um, you have people that say um, creator, that say source. Uh, some people even say 
uh, mother God, and we'll get to that in this in the sense of gender. But mm-hmm. what would you say, or how have you come to the conclusion or discovery of what God's name is? Uh, I had this belief that there was all spirituality everywhere; that everything was, in a sense, real. I've seen things, I've heard things, and I, I agreed and believed those things before before I believe what I believe now. Before I believe in the in the God of the Bible. What I did before I got to the Bible also was I investigated these other belief systems. You know, when I was reading the Bible, well, I started with the green, the little green Bibles, just reading it over and over again. Somebody gave me a whole one. And I, that's when I went to the Old Testament for the first time. And I started reading the Old Testament and I just was clueless again. You know, first it was with the New Testament. Then I was clueless with the Old Testament. So as I was studying it, I just went into in more in depth. I, I started to realize that you know, the people who translate the Bible is also human. And if something has more than one meaning, then we're completely subject to the translator. So I said, okay, let me check on the translator. Let me study Hebrew and Greek, Mm -hmm. look at the original language. And then I started seeing Lord doesn't, you know, doesn't even belong in the Bible, you know, especially since the Bible says don't add or take away from the Bible. And and it seems like they did both. They added the word Lord and took away his name. What in the world? And then I noticed that about other words, that certain words were translated based off of, you know, how our English was before. Our English has evolved. We don't even yes. use words the same way. Yes. So I had to go back to the Hebrew to see what they intended by the word hope, what they intended by certain words. And uh, even the word let, like when you say, I'm going to let you do this, the, the word let means stop in in the scriptures yeah the word the word let doesn't mean for you to actually go it means for you to be restrained and that's opposite of how we use the word let today yeah so i i had to go back as a student of, of the most high i had to go back and say what in the world what in the world are you trying to what in the world did you intend for me to understand with these english verses and then i realized that the name was actually taken out and that it was supposed to be, um, they call it the Tetragrammaton, four letters in the Hebrew, and it's pronounced, I pronounce it Yahuwah, you know, and there's a there's a contracted version, which is Yah, you know, many people heard it, Jah, you know, people say Jah, and people say Jehovah or Yahovah or Yahuwah, you know, or some people even say Yahweh, but I say, I say it pronounces Yahuwah. So you're saying Yahuwah. So if, are you saying that if we're saying the name Jehovah or Jah or Yahweh, that we're we're saying it wrong and we're still not referencing him? I tell you the truth. I wouldn't be able to do that because I called him Lord and he heard me. You know, I think everything is based off of knowledge. You get knowledge, you apply knowledge. So if you learn that his name is a certain thing, I was calling him Jehovah first before I called him Yahuwah. You know, and when I found out that the letter J didn't even exist until like 500 years after the Bible was translated into English, English language didn't even have the letter J. And they took out four letters. I'm just, I look at the Hebrew and then I transliterate the Hebrew. So that's how, that's how I got Yahuwah because they didn't have J, they had Y. So I would use the Y instead of the J. Just as I learned, I applied what I learned. One thing that we're doing is we're sticking to what's comfortable because it wasn't comfortable at first, but it didn't matter to me because this is, this is what I learned is true. So because I learned it was true, it didn't matter that I was uncomfortable. If I was doing something that I believe was true, 
if I didn't do what I believe was true because I wanted to be comfortable, I would be a coward and a hypocrite because one, I'm acting like it's okay when I'm convinced otherwise. Yeah. And also I'm scared to be uncomfortable, mm-hmm. you know? So, so that's kind of along the lines. I don't, I don't let my fear stop me from doing what I understand. So like you mentioned with the the Hebrew and the Greek, the reason that you went back to that is because you believe it to be the original language in which it was written, correct? And the Bible, a lot of people just see it as, oh, it's a good book, it's a good story, or it could be a fable. But the Bible is also historical. So even if you look at the geographical places in which the stories take place, then you would mm-hmm. understand that's the language in which it was written. So it makes right. sense to go to the original language of yeah, the so Hebrew cool. and the Greek. Is there any any place where um, the Arabic language comes into into play? Arabic is a correlation. This is just what I what I'm thinking. I, I, I you may need to fact check this. Mm-hmm. Arabic is like a kind of like a sister language to to Hebrew. You know, when when tribes would break off, tribes were created from single homes. So let's say, you know, you're my sister. Right. Mm -hmm. So where we set up, we split up and then we start our own tribes. We would then create our own dialects. So it's not that it will be totally different because me and you originally spoke the same thing. Ah. But when we set up our own thing. There's this dialect, there's a way that we say it that becomes a part of the language. And this is what's uh, separating so many languages. I remember Ishmael and Isaac were brothers. Ishmael went to the east. This is where the generations of Arabic came from. Isaac was, you know, dwelling in tents, trying to go to Canaan. He had the Hebrew dialect. He had a different dialect. And even that evolved. You can see it from the even the writing, the writing even evolved. I, I look at there's a lot of languages that's actually connected together. Um, and then there's stuff like English that's like some brand new, you know, we just making stuff up as we Until go Until this on. day, we're still adding <laughs> to the dictionary, which is hilarious. But you know what it made me think of when you said that, when you mentioned tribes? I think of it the same way, right? That the Most High had a blueprint set into place. He had something put into place to reconcile his children to himself and just to have relation, right? And we know that the law is ultimately for our betterment and not in the sense of like all these rules and so forth. But even when you look at the government, there are certain rules put into place to protect its citizens, right? To have a sort of peace and order amongst people. But the law of God goes even deeper than that. But what I started to think was that I believe that's how it happened, where we've come to this place of multiple religions, multiple ways of belief system, because it started in one place and then people began to disperse in different places with different belief systems. But it's like it all stemmed from one place. But then just like you said, where the tribes went here and here and went to different dialects, like I say this, this is this is what I kind of believe. I believe every religion has some type of truth in in it because we it all stemmed from one place but it dispersed and everybody has their own type of belief system so we may hear something from islam or buddha or hindu that we may not 
in totality agree with, but we're here something and we're like, yeah, that makes sense. But the most high said that the Bible says that too, you know, mm-hmm. or we'll hear something in Islam or whatever. And we're like, yeah, like as if there have been bits and pieces that has been dispersed, but no one, and not, let me not say no one, but a lot of us are in this place of coming to what is the totality truth? What is the totality awareness of what, you know, the almighty God, our creator has, you know, required of us or has given to us. And I love what you were saying before also that although we are man and we are here trying to have these discoveries and helping one another or in the midst of even our own confusion, at the end of the day, it's the spirit of God that's working within us, right? Mm-hmm. Is the spirit of God that's guiding our thought patterns um, if we are willing to let him do so, right? Because that's yeah. key, the willingness to, to have the spirit of God to, to guide us too. So that's why I said at the end of the day, truth will be found, right? Yeah. If, if you're genuinely seeking it. So to, to go a little further, okay. I even had this question and other people have this question. If God is spirit, does he really have a gender? Why, even the way I'm talking now, I'm still saying he because we're so used to saying he. We see it in the scriptures that God is referred to as he. But when I thought about it, I'm just like, but is God really a he the way we understand? Is God man? Does mm-hmm. God have a gender? Um, we know Christ, we know the Messiah to have because we know he came on earth and lived right. as man. Mm-hmm. But for the Father, wouldn't you just say God or Yah is just spirit? Why, why do we have to say he? To the point that certain people are like the, the attributes that they see of God remind them more of a woman because of the nurturing, the creating and all of those, those elements. So they say like, you know, maybe God is a woman. Let's say mother God, like the same thing as mother nature. And I'm not trying to ridicule people's thought patterns. I'm also trying to see where they're coming from because it's a legit question. Pronouns is not necessarily pertaining to human or even animals, you know, it's pertaining to nature, right? Essence. Uh, Masculine feminine doesn't necessarily mean male or female, Uh, even in other languages. If I say la cocina, that's feminine. That doesn't mean that my kitchen is a woman. So what's happening is that we're, look, we're backwards. We're not trying to bring heaven to us. We're trying to bring earth to heaven. Oh, snap. If it's a he, then it's a man. No, the most High created man. That's what he created. He created woman. And then he put in them masculine and feminine attributes. And then guess what? Both men have some estrogen in them. Yeah. And women have some testosterone in them, uh-huh. you know, so there's this, there's this, this, this flip side. Let's try to describe the most high by using what we see and hear. Even if I say man, based off of how I say the word man would determine whether I'm talking about a male or whether I'm talking about both male and female. Because if I say the nature of man, you're not going to exclude a female. You're not gonna right. When we when we read the scriptures, when it says man, right. it's just pertaining to humanity. Right. Humanity, mankind. Right. Mankind. So it's it's kind of like we're 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 throwing away all the obvious answers that surrounds our language, that surrounds what we do, and we're just trying to put the Most High on Earth. 
we're trying to put the Mosai in a created situation where now he has to have sperm to have a, a son or he has to have, you know, some other earthly characteristics. Okay. The reason why we refer to him as he is because he's a masculine. He demonstrates feminine, uh, feminine attributes, but he is dominate. His dominated characteristic is masculine, even though he has feminine attributes. He doesn't mean that he is a man gender or he's female gender or a female gender. He's a spirit. Mm-hmm. He's a spirit. He's a spirit being. You know, uh, Messiah, like you said, he came down as a man in scripture. Why do we refer as why do we refer to Yah as the father? You know, so why do we see those elements in scripture? Because that's what has guided us to feel like, you know, we have to say he and father and all those things. Right. Because the term father dwells in a masculine characteristic, caretaker, protector, guider, disciplinary, all of those masculine, you know, defender, all of those masculine attributes is inside of the position of a father, which is why the creation of a man encompass all the masculine attributes or masculine positions. If you're a man, then you're automatically, according to what you're created to be, you automatically have to line up with the masculine positions. When you have a son, you are automatically a father. If you have a sibling, you are automatically a brother. You know, if you, you know, you have you if you're born and you have parents, you're automatically a son. Likewise, when a woman comes out and she is created a woman, that means that she has a purpose to line up with everything that Yah said her purpose is connected to what she's created to be. So because she's a female, because she's a, a, a female, she's lined up to be feminine. So she's lined up automatically to be a mother. She can't change that. She's lined up to to be a sister. She's lined up to be a wife. This is what she's lined up to be because of how she's created. This is her purpose. But we're looking at these things as options. We're looking at these things as job titles where you're like, oh yeah, I didn't really want that job. No, this is your purpose. If you was to look at how you created and look at these attributes as what you're created to be, the Most High didn't make up the term father that's what he is. Even if he created an angel, he has to now provide for that angel. He has to now teach that angel, guide, protect. Same thing he did with man when he created. He has to now demonstrate the characteristics of a father, you see? And because he also has the feminine attributes, he has to also nurture, nourish, and provide that love. Likewise, does a man. Because they were both made in his likeness, right? Of his image. Well, they're both made, they're both made in his likeness ultimately. I mean, you can't you can't ignore the fact that they both would be in his likeness. Uh-huh. It's kind of like Yah has an order, right? So he made it says male and female created he them, right? He made woman from man and he made man in his image. So because he made woman from man, she's automatically in the image of Yah, but she is ultimately not ultimately in she's ultimately in the image of Yah, but she was created in the image of man. She's a woman. She's mankind. 
Right. Because that's what I meant by that when I said like they have made in his likeness of his image in the sense of like you're saying when we are talking about when we're talking about the most high that you see both elements. So that's what I'm saying. Like when you were saying even scientifically that a man also has estrogen in him and a woman also has testosterone, that even how God created us where he has both those attributes, he has even placed it in man and woman that we're able to have those interchangeable. However, there is a specific role that we play within our human gender, right? Of course, we're living in a time that people will feel like when you talk about gender, when you talk about roles that is oppressive, so forth. But as the beauty of having freedom of speech and your own podcast platform, this is our belief system, right? I just, sometimes we got to put disclaimers out there because you will get the comments and sometimes you can't even avoid the comments. But what I'm saying is that that is our belief system. And sometimes we're so caught up in... I think it's because we've been oppressed to a certain extent when it came to roles, you know what I mean? As if a man can only be a disciplinarian, he can only be a provider, he cannot be a nurturer and a woman, Mm. she can't be a disciplinarian or she can't do certain attributes that a man can do. um, And she's only supposed to stay in this one lane. So I get it. I understand that oppressiveness that we have felt in society, but at the end of the day, there is a beauty in the role that we have in our feminine qualities. There is a beauty that a man has in playing a role in his masculine qualities. And I remember you said something that was so dope. When we, if we are to say that nature is beautiful, we want to be one with nature at the same time, then you would have to understand that even nature plays their role. Even nature plays their role like you said, in masculine and feminine energies. So it's just like, if we're dying to be one with nature, but at the same time, we're trying to refute this idea of that even our gender has a role to play. I I, I love that, that you're mentioning that, that, okay, so when we're reading the Bible, we're seeing that because it has a, a predominant masculine attributes to it. That's why we see father, but it's not ultimately right. saying that Yah has a gender, right? Right. Absolutely. So, so how would you identify the most high? Would it just be spirit? Well, no, I would, I would, because he's the one that determines how he's identified. I will identify him as whatever he says he's identified as. The more that I take it upon myself to recreate who he is or who the most high is, is the more I start to create my own God. And it start, I start to create my own religion. And then as I follow my own thoughts and my own path, I end up off the path that he made. Mm-hmm. I, end, I end up off the, the way of thinking that he set out for me to have. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, when I look at scripture and I see that he says, I will be a father to you. He says, I want to be a father to you. He even called his people collectively. He says, my Israel is my firstborn. You know, he, he uses these terminologies for us to relate to him, to us to understand how intimate he wants our relationship to be. Because he not only says, oh, you're my firstborn son, but then he turns around and says that you're like a delicate, Israel is like a delicate woman. And then he says, I'm, bet- I betrothed you to me. I'm, I'm, I'm engaged to you. Like you're, you're, you're like going to be my wife. So talking about the intimacy, the oneness between a husband and wife, the oneness between a father and son, this is how he wants to manifest a relationship okay. with his people. Reliance. 
the dependency, the, you know, the interaction. It, this is, this is what he wants us to understand from that, not to look at a earthly, how earthly roles are portrayed and then now flip that and put that on him. No, he created you to do that. <laughs> that doesn't mean that he does that, you know, and the more that we kind of understand that is the more that we were able to manifest that power in how he created us. Cause there's power in how he creates you. And again, I get it for us as humans to make sense out of things. We have to kind of find things on earth to kind of connect so it could make sense. But at the end of the day, if you're looking for a deeper awareness, you would have to ask the spirit of God to give you that wisdom and discernment. We see that with a lot of the the prophets and the patriarchs in, in the Bible that they had to tap in to see things from a spiritual lens, because at the end of the day, Isn't that what we're seeking? A higher depth of understanding and awareness. And if that's the case, you can't really look at it from an earthly lens. Right. You're relying on you're relying on yourself. You're relying on your own your own wisdom, your own knowledge. You're not. See, the thing is, when we're trying to learn, that means that you don't know and you want to know. But what I notice is that people who want to learn, they tend to talk as if they already know when all you have to do is say, I have no clue. What does he say? <laughs> what does he say? Now, what do I think? Because I could think a thousand things. Obviously, before I came into this book, I believed a thousand things. Thousand spirits, you know, thousand, you know, the Hindu believe in a thousand gods, you know. But it was only when I started to understand the character and the name, the character of the title and how it applies to him and what he created also reflects that same characteristic to show proof that we're in that image this is in Mm. his likeness the major thing if you want to learn something stop acting like you know admit that you don't know so you can receive knowledge don't act like you know because you don't want to submit to the knowledge that you don't like if this is truth then submit to the truth Mm -hmm. but if it's clear then submit to what you're convinced of and let Yah kind of tweak it as you go along. This is what he did with us, right? We start, we went in the church. I believe that's a very good stepping stone. It allowed me to come in and, and read the scriptures. And then as I started to read, then I, the mo- and I submitted to what it says, the most I started to tweak my, my understanding. Right. And it didn't line up with what everybody was doing. And I understand because when I moved out of that, I was afraid, but it didn't matter because I knew that the Most High was guiding me, just like he's guiding everybody else. If you thought we were done with this episode, think again. Jadiel and I actually spent two hours or more discussing the topic on who God is. So I'm basically going to be taking those two hours and dividing them into two parts. We continue to uncover things such as, are we as humans actual gods living on earth? What is the relationship between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit? What does the Godhead entail? All of these things and much more. So please stay tuned for part two of this discussion on who God is. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. I hope you've gained some knowledge, insight, and clarity in this moment, creating your own inner discoveries. Tune in again with new episodes released every Tuesday. And most importantly, head over to at She Discovered Podcast on Instagram to interact with me and receive more tips and info relating to all topics discussed. 
as always, you are appreciated.